Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. I'm just going to pray. How's that? Instead of having you guys stand back up, I wouldn't want you to get worn out or anything. <laughs> Father, I thank you for today. For everything that you've already accomplished, I believe, in the hearts of your people. Through worshiping you, through praising you, and you've moved so mightily in the depths of people's hearts. And Lord, even as Matthew was sharing about mantles and about breaking off, um, putting on new garments, I saw a garment of, of, of a victim mentality. And I saw that garment being displaced with identity and with royalty. And so, God, I thank you that we are in you and you are in us. So we just put on Christ today. And I thank you for just a refreshing to take place for the rest of this day. I really believe that this is a day that is marked by you, that we will never, ever be the same. The shifting in mindsets, a shifting in thinking, the past is in the past. And God, what we have today is a gift, which is the present, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody just texted me a word. Um, they had thought it was maybe it was just for themselves, and I believe wholeheartedly it's corporate, and so I want to read it to you, and many of you, um, this is going to resonate with you. I sat in the car when I got here, and I was listening to the champion song, which we sang. When we sang the part, it's taken me so long to see it, the Lord gave me this word. New beginnings, I declare. Don't look back. It's not worth it, because you will never be measured by your past. See, I do a new thing in you. You will even look back in awe and how far you have come. Everything the enemy has stolen, the years, the friends, the finances, I will return. Trust me, trust me. No, I will turn it for good. You will be amazed by me. I will be the glory that lifts your head. Not a person, not a thing you own, not people, but I will cause you to lift your head with confidence, knowing that I got your back. Seeing you see it now, and the more revelation you receive, the further you will lift your head. Not to boast, not to be in pride or haughtiness, but in confidence that you are realizing that you are a daughter or a son of a king. The king sees you, and he cares, and he loves you, and he is accelerating his plan for your life. See, it is a new season. It is a new beginning. Walk in it. Don't run into it. Walk into it. No fear. You are free. Whew, that is good. I'm glad I have it on. I'm actually, I may even put this up on Facebook because I feel like that is a word in due season right now for a lot of people. We're coming into um, just so much more of the fullness. And the title of my message today is It's Your Time. And as I was thinking about 
Um, I'm going to read the scripture in um, Revelation. If we would just go to chapter two, I'm going to get right into this because I have a lot of ground to cover. If you don't know where Revelation is, it's the very last book in the Bible. Um, I'm going to start in verse one. To the angel of the church of Ephesus I write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear these who are evil. And you are tested, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and they are not, and have found them as liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. And you have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and turn and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, I want to talk about this for just a second. And I'm going to go into what I really believe is on the heart of God is that um, I believe that when you are walking with the Lord, that's why it says, um, those who endure to the end shall be saved. Um, there's a lot of things that happen from the first time that we come to know Jesus to where we are at today. There's a lot of details in the middle here. And what happens sometimes is that we can find ourselves not just growing weary, but forgetting the first works, forgetting the very first things that caused us to be so enamored by God and so in love with him. And honestly, over this region, there's a real performance mentality. There's a performance spirit that causes us to want to perform, to want to look good, always doing the right thing at the right time. It's kind of like you can fall into perfectionism. And what happens as a result is that we lose that little giddy, that little childlike faith that we just couldn't wait to be alone with Jesus. Like he was our first thought in the morning. It was our first thought when we woke up at, uh, or went to bed at night and everything in between. I remember when I first got saved, I could not wait to open up my Bible and read. I couldn't wait till I had time and I would make, I would make time. It was, I, it was, it wasn't like I have no time. I just have no time to be with the Lord. No, I made the time. I loved being with Jesus. I would get in the word. I have my notebook right there. And I knew that as soon as I started reading, he was going to start talking. I just, I, I, there wasn't like nobody told me that was going to happen. I just knew it in my spirit. This is what's going to happen. He's, I'm going to read. He's going to talk. So I'm going to write. And it just was this, this exciting, intimate, like, like when you're in love with somebody, the first time you, you fall in love with someone, you're just like, you're, you're counting down the minutes for them to like come and pick you up. You're like, oh my gosh, is he going to be here? Is he going to be here? And if it's a mod, he's going to be late. So it's going to be more minutes than what he told me in the first place. And so then I'm thinking, okay, okay. When he says two minutes, it's actually like 20 to 25 minutes. So I, now I have that one down. He goes, I'll call you back in two minutes. I'm like, okay, so that's 11. So about 11.30, 11.35, something like that. So as I'm waiting in anticipation for him to come, I'm getting the butterflies. I'm thinking about what the night's going to look like. I'm thinking about where we're going to go to eat, what I'm going to have to eat. I'm thinking about what I'm wearing. I'm like, I hope I look perfect. I've got the perfect earrings to go with the perfect necklace. I've got the perfect outfit on. And I can't wait till he says how beautiful I look. 
and it's my highlight of the, of the whole night, is for him just to say, how beautiful do you look? And then he grabs my hand, and he takes me to the car. He opens the car door. He lets me in. And it's just like, oh, I found him. <laughs> and then he gets out of the car. He walks around the car. He opens my car door. He, we go into the restaurant. When we get to our table, if there's a seat and there's not, it's not a bench, he will pull out my chair. I'll sit down. He'll push it in. He'll go across the uh, table, grab my hands, and squeeze them. And then we'll just have this wonderful, intimate evening. And what happens is the same thing that happens in marriages is the same thing that happens in our relationship with the Lord sometimes, is that now all of a sudden you get married and you realize you have responsibilities. And you don't get to just dress up, go out to eat, hold hands and say you're beautiful, but you should. You should. You should. So the same thing, what happens is that we have this false expectation of what God is like when we first meet him. We meet Jesus and we get, we, we were like, everything's going to be perfect. I've, I've got my savior. I'm going to heaven. I've got, I'm going to spend all of eternity with him. And he's just going to make my life so good. And my life is going to be so amazing while I'm here. I'm just never going to suffer. I'm just, I'm never going to have a sickness. I'm never going to have anything come against me. I'm always going to have more than enough finances. And, and I'm just always going to be full of joy. And when I pray, he's going to answer me right away. How many of you know that doesn't happen? <laughs> now all of a sudden we start to look at him through different eyes because we're basing who he is on our experience instead of on what the word of God says. Now we have a tainted view of who Jesus is. He's still the same amazing person that we met. He's still full of love. He's still full of compassion. He longs to spend time with us. He longs to answer our prayers. The Father is just waiting with open arms, but because he doesn't do the things the way that he, we think he should do them, in the timing that we think he should do them, and he doesn't answer things the way that we think that he should answer them, we start to really not trust like we did in the beginning. That's why I believe it says, return to your first love and do the first works, which is to get back into the times of when you read your Bible every day, you sat with your journal and you knew he was going to talk. When you turned worship music on and you danced around the house and hoped that nobody saw you. You return to the very first things that you did and that you believe all things, that you hope all things, and that you endure all things. And the reality is sometimes things don't turn out the way that it is always written, but it will turn out in his timing. It always will. And so I, there's a scripture in Psalms that says, if you restore to me the joy of my salvation, I will um, teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. 
I think about that scripture often, and I'm wondering why more people aren't turning to the Lord, because I think we've lost the joy of our salvation. We need to find the joy of our salvation. And so Psalm 13.5 says, But I've trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So regardless of how we feel, how many of you know that God is good? How many of you know that no matter what circumstance in life that you might find yourself in, that God is still good? That God is still on the throne? There are times that I have prayed a prayer over and over again, and I felt as though I was unknown by God. Have you ever felt unknown by God? Have you ever felt like he's just not caring about that particular situation? Have you ever felt like you've prayed and you've done all that you know to do, and it just seems like that one area he just doesn't seem to care about? Well, that's a lie. Say, that's a lie. Because what actually happens is that we come into agreement with the lie that he doesn't care about it, and so we get out of faith. And how many of you know that faith is the currency of heaven? And so when we're praying and we're declaring and we're fasting and we're standing, we have to do it in faith because if we do it in doubt, it takes away the power of the answer to that prayer. Amen? So we choose to rejoice in the fact that we are saved and we will fall in love with Jesus all over afresh and anew again. I believe that there are people who are married for, I remember my parents, um, they were married, oh my gosh, I think like my dad was like 60 something years. I got married, my mom was 16. Yeah. Almost 70 years. Yeah, almost 70 years. That's crazy. And growing up, I never saw my parents, um, not who they were. Um, I never saw them hold hands. I never saw them kiss. I never saw them hug. And um, I I didn't know. I mean, I knew that they loved each other because they said that they did (laughs) and that they were married. But as they got older, I remember my mom and dad kissing each other, holding each other's hand, and I remember their 50th anniversary and they were dancing. And I saw my mom, who was like all of like five foot two, and looking up at my dad, who was five foot 11, maybe at that time was shrinking a little, but she was looking up at him into his eyes and I recorded it and it touches me to this day to think about it. And there was a love that was deeper and that was greater than the love that was there when she was 16 and he was 21. It was a deeper felt love. And I believe that that can happen not only in your marriage, I can believe it can happen in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That you fall in a greater depth of love where he is your everything. Where you can truly say, you are my everything. I will give you my house. I will give you my spouse. I will give you my children. I will give you everything that I own. You are my everything. As long as I have you, I know I have wealth. That's true wealth. So having said that, and knowing that this is, he's everything. 
He is our everything. And you're way more amazing than you realize. You're not your worst day. You're the best day to yet happen. Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And many will, de- and many will be deceived. How many of you know that we've seen that already? Where people have claimed that they were, that they were Jesus and that he, they were the Christ. And it deceived many. A lot of these cults started to, to um, get built up and planted. And many died as a result. And it says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Have we heard wars and rumors of wars? It's not the end yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Have we been seeing that? Yes, we have. We've been seeing earthquakes in places that they never knew that there would be an earthquake in. All these things are the beginning of sorrow. Say beginning. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Many, many places around the world, you are martyred. You are killed if they know that you are a Christian. So this is, this is already happening for his name's sake. And then many will be offended. How many of you know that many are offended in the body of Christ? Yeah. There's a lot of division and decisiveness that is taking place in the body of Christ. They'll betray one another. How many of you know that we've seen people betray one another within the body of Christ? And we're supposed to love our brother and sister in Christ. And it says, and, um, but those who endure to the end shall be saved. And this is a part I want to focus on. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all of the nations. And then the end will come. This is our part. Say, it's my time. It is your time that your opportunity is now to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. If you don't like it, well, see, many will become offended. You're just going to have to get over it. Um, you can read it out of the New King James. Actually, read out of the King James. You know, they've all been, retra- I mean, honestly, retranslated. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love toward all of his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. This is a side note. We should be praying for each other. We should be praying for one another. We are a family of believers. And we should be praying that people are prospering, that they're, that they're overflowing with the love of God. You know, yesterday we, we met, as just a side note, I'm going to do some bunny trails, with the, our VSDs. That means our volunteer staff directors, the people that direct all of the different um, 
places of ministry here. And Diane said something, I don't know why it hit me. It was just such a simple statement. But she was talking about, you know, encouraging people to come on Tuesday nights for prayer. And she said, well, why wouldn't you want to come? We are Christians. And I was like, drop the mic. And, and I thought, as Christians, we're supposed to be praying. It shouldn't be like this new thing, right? We're supposed to be, oh my gosh, I just got distracted. Oh, the little Ganta baby's here. Aww. I mean, you're like, a, how, how old is he? Nine days. Look at her sitting there like there's no tomorrow. Wow. Okay, back into where I was. Anyway, as Christians, we should be praying. That shouldn't be a new thing, right? That shouldn't be like, we should be laying the foundation once all over again. Prayer should be like something that we're doing. It says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. Getting wisdom is not a prayer. You cannot just say, God, I ask you for wisdom, and he's just going to go, there it is. It happens as a result of our intimacy with him. The more we walk with him, the closer we get to him, the more we become like him. We begin to know his ways and not just his acts. We literally know the ways of God because we're walking with him. We're deepening our intimacy with him. I love it. And it says, so I pray that you will continually experience this uh, immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. As the result of us falling back in love with Jesus and finding that place of intimacy, not only do we get wisdom and revelation of how awesome he is, but we literally become a walking billboard of who Jesus Christ is, that my life starts to totally reflect and radiate the life of Jesus. And the very works that he did, I will also do because I'm living with him, I'm abiding in him, and I have a boldness like I couldn't have any other time. Amen? And it says, and now he exalted, wait, let me go, sorry, verse 20. That was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. He's at the highest place, and now he is exalted as first above every ruler over all authority, over all government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything, say everything, everything needed in the church is found in him. Come on. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now... We. 
And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. We have the same authority because we are his body. He is the head. And so what he says, we do. And, 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 oh, which is why when we fear whether or not uh, what we say is going to come to pass, it's because we are really fixated on whether or not it's because of that we are being received because it's of what we are speaking. Is it what we are speaking or is it what we are hearing? Are we aligning ourselves up with what the word of God says and what he is speaking? That rhema word of God has ability to release the dunamis power of God that will transform a society just like this. I believe if one person gets on fire for God, just one person says, you know what? I'm willing to surrender it all and really goes and believes that what God says is true and it will come to pass, that it can transform a whole entire country. Elijah did it. Come on. You can, if you can believe God, Moses led out the Israelites. And I remember saying, God, if this person doesn't stop complaining, I am going to go crazy. And he reminded me, he said, how do you think Moses felt? And he was able to lead a whole nation. And even though many of them didn't go in, that doesn't matter. He led a whole nation out. And so the, the one person that can believe that what God says he will do, it will come to pass. It has to. We have to get hungry and on fire. And I believe that everybody has a different way of, of ministering. I think we all have a different gift mix. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that. But turn with me to Ephesians 4. <clears throat> you see, this is why I always say that the church is meant to be missional based. It's not meant to be consumer based. It's not meant to come. And if this is the only time you're getting your fill, by Tuesday, you're done. By Tuesday, you're done. I mean, you may, you may make it through till tomorrow, but by Tuesday, you're, 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 you're done. You're empty. And, and you have to, it has to be your own intimacy. It has to be your own personal relationship. You have to believe that what he says about you is true. I love what Bill Johnson says. I have no time to think thoughts about myself that I know that my God isn't thinking about me. He thinks they are amazing. And even though if you have weaknesses that you're trying to overcome, as long as you're trying to overcome them, he is rooting for you. He's not against you. Do you believe that? Yes. Ephesians 4, 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's for you. Say, it's for me. Yes. Say, it's my time. It is your time. The, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists are for the equipping of the whole body of Christ for the work of the ministry till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now listen, verse 16, this is our part. From whom the whole body, 
being joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. One of the ways that the body of Christ expands and matures is when every joint is supplying. And it looks different. It looks different. If you feel like, you know, I'm just not that person that can, you know, go into Walmart and start laying hands on people, that's okay. You don't have to be that person. But you have a unique assignment, a unique gift mix that God has given you. For some, God has blessed you financially. Those, that money isn't just so you can have the biggest car or the biggest house and the best car. There's nothing wrong with having the biggest house and the best car. But if that's all you have, then you're missing the point of why the favor of God has been upon your life in the area of finances. It's been so that you could sow into the kingdom of God so that it can expand across the earth. How many of you know it costs money to get a plane ticket to go to Africa? How many of you know that it costs money to stay in a hotel while you're preaching the gospel in a foreign country? How many of you know if I fly from here to California, it's going to cost me a plane ticket, it's going to cost me food, it's going to cost me gas, it's going to cost me money. And so it costs money to print if I, my, my book. It's going to cost me money when it gets published, and it will be published. It's going to cost money to have that happen. Why am I doing that? Because I so believe in the fact that the body of Christ walks around with shame more than it walks around with identity in Jesus Christ. And I wanted to see shame get broken off of people's lives so that they can walk in the fullness of what God has for them. Amen? So that's why I write a book, and that's why I pay money to get it published. So it could be this. It could be the fact that you just have a way of articulating things in front of people that you have a gift where it's like you can take the word and explain it in a way that nobody else can. That means that you have an anointing and a gift to teach and you should use that anointing and gift to teach. You may have a small platform or you may have a big platform. And I'm going to talk about the difference between your Metron and your Canon. Okay, so let's continue with this. But you all have a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. And I know we use the word destiny here a lot, but I just heard something, again, from Bill Johnson. He says, um, your destiny awaits you in heaven, but while you're here, you're on an assignment. I was like, well, so much for all my destiny quotes. Isn't that true, though? Your destiny awaits you in heaven, but you've got an assignment here on earth. Amen? Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he does it through his body. 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. A lot of people go around and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. But then when you have a need, they're not there to fulfill that need. Actually, love looks like something. Just like faith has feet, love has feet. Love looks like taking time to be with someone. Love looks like not just saying that you love someone, but actually being the extension of Jesus Christ to the people that need it. If all I hear is I love you and I don't get a hug and I don't get a kiss and I don't, I don't have intimacy, I don't believe that because love looks like something. Love looks like sacrifice. If you're not sacrificing, then you're not loving. That's right, that's right. Love doesn't mean that you get your own way whenever you want to have it. 
Love looks like you have to do things that you don't want to do when you want to have to do them. Are you listening? <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5. Verse 12 says, for we commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And that literally means to be out of your mind. That's, if you look it up, that's what it means. It means to be beside yourself. It means you can get into the presence and glory of God to where I've been there. And I'm like, I was there not too long ago this morning. And I was like, whew, I'm going to have to get myself together because I am not going to be any good for these guys right now. And I had, I'm over there going, whew, I'm like, I'm doing my deep breaths, like trying to snap out of it because I'm, I'm out of my mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm caught up with a God. I'm in, his, in the glory. That's what that means. So there he is out of my mind. It is, but if we are in sound mind, like now, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. Hmm. I'm going to preach that one to myself for just a second. From right now, you do not no longer live for yourself. Okay. I'm preaching this to myself. Are you listening? We no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and for them, and he rose again. He died for us, and we, our life is no longer our own. This is impossible to do in the flesh. It is only possible to do to the degree that you're abiding in the Spirit of God. Our flesh wants to do what we want to do. Our flesh wants to appease ourselves. Our flesh doesn't, our flesh wants to, you know, spend time doing whatever our flesh wants to do. But when you're living a sacrificed life for Jesus Christ, it looks like doing things that you don't want to do and don't do it complaining. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say I'm an ambassador for Christ. Wow, you believe that. That sounded really powerful. <laughs> You're an ambassador for Christ. Say, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm an ambassador. Yes. As though God were pleading through us. It's like, he's like saying to these, he's, he's like talking to, to uh, where's he at? He's talking to the Corinthians and he's like, he's like, look, he's like, God is pleading through us that you are ambassadors of Christ, that you can do these things. And, and listen to this. I love this. Let me, whoa, 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 I lost my place. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, ambassadors of Christ, where am I at? What verse am I in? 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no, right, or who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has not given us the ministry of judgment. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that means that when sinners are sinning, how many of you know 
that a sinner is going to sin. I mean, I don't know why we're always like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. No, that's what they're going to do. Now, I'm not talking about the body of Christ. If somebody in the body of Christ is sinning, that's different than we're to go to them and we're supposed to tell them about it. And if they don't listen, then we bring somebody else with us and then we tell them about it. And if they don't listen, then I stand up here and I tell you about it because there's no repentance. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the world, sinners are going to sin and we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to live a life that's exemplary so that they can see the church is not being a bunch of hypocrites who act say that they love, but they don't really love because they only love those who look like them. We're supposed to love those who don't look like us. We're supposed to love those people who are in lifestyles that we know are not appropriate and that they shouldn't be in, but yet we're supposed to love them. Because it's the love of God that will lead them into repentance. Amen? So it's not my responsibility. God can judge them. He says he hates hates wickedness and he hates wicked people. That's what the Bible says. That God knows how to love and hate at the same time. Are you listening to me? We don't. We don't have that responsibility. Our responsibility is the ministry of reconciliation. Say ministry of reconciliation. Okay, wow, I'm going to ramp it right up here. Here, you guys ready? All right, I've got my tennis shoes on. Here we go. The final verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere, sphere of which God has appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you, for you are not overextending ourselves. We are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in another man's labors. But having hope, that is, your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Okay, I want to show you a couple of words here. When it talks about um, the rule, so for we are not overextending ourselves, our authority, for as it came, where's it, where's it at? Oh, beyond our measure. We, however, will not boast beyond our measure, but within the limits of the sphere for which God has appointed us. Literally, there are two words here that are really important for you to know, because this is where we can get rid of all condemnation, where we are not doing what, what um, like... Uh, Todd White, or and I know it's controversial. Some people think Kanye West is not really saved. I'm like, I don't know, he's getting thousands to the Lord, so whatever that is all about. But um, I heard a comment made that he he was able to go into um, jail or prison, and he he himself and his whole choir went in to this prison. And and this person, I told, I said, can you believe that? That is amazing. And and this person goes, I would never be able to do that. And they were like judging the fact that he could do that and she couldn't. And I said, no, you probably couldn't. I said, because God gave him the platform. I could not go and probably pray for President Trump right now. But I know other people who can because God gave them the platform. So there's a different, that that word, um, a measure of the rule, it literally means a definite, bounded, or fixed space. There's another place where um, Paul talks about the fact that he was an apostle to Gentiles. Every single time he tried to be an apostle to the Israelites, he got in trouble because he was going outside of his 
rule. He was going outside of his sphere of influence. If I were to leave here, drive down the street, go to Grand Rapids first, and just stand behind the platform and start to preach, they'd be like, who is this lady and what is she doing? Why? Because I would be out of my sphere of influence. I would go out of my rule. So it's important that you understand your canon. What is your sphere of influence? And if you don't know what it is, ask God what it is. It's usually a place where there's favor. It's like there's, there's, there's favor that's laid on it. It's like, okay, I have favor here. I have favor here. I have favor here. That's your rule. That's your canon. Okay. The other word is metron. That's your measure of Christ's gift. It's literally what has been portioned to you. It's like, how, how much of that do you have? What is the measure of the gifting that you have? Some people, um, the measure of their gift is like they, they immediately know that when they get saved, it's like they, they know that I'm, people are going to get up uh, out of wheelchairs. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And, and they actually start to see those miracles happening. Why? Because that's the measure of Christ's gift for them. Somebody else has a different measure of gift. And, uh, and it could be, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? There's authority and then there's the, the, there's the power and there's the measure. I believe that you can increase in both of them. Yeah. But I believe you can only increase them in them to the degree that you're operating where you're at right now. Yeah. I started in um, teaching children, uh, preschoolers, and then I did women's ministry. Sorry if I frown when I do that, but oh. Um, because back then, women's ministry was all about like frou-frou and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to get into the meat. <laughs> I didn't care about going shopping and talking about girly stuff. I, you probably find that hard to believe looking at me, but it's true. I would much rather just get into the meat of things. And so anyway, so we have that. So I want you guys to do this for me. Oh, I gotta, we got to go because we have so much. Okay. So... Your metron is determined by the increase of the favor upon your life, and it is determined by your sphere of influence, your canon. So the two of them go together. You're going to see where favor gets released and how it begins to expand. But what is important is that you find where your sphere of influence is and that you be the hands or you be the feet or you be the mouth or you be the finances or you be whatever it is that God has shown you so that, and, 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 and use it. If you don't, it won't, it has to flow through you. Otherwise, it'll stop here. And if every single person, this, our goal in this church is that we have every member mobilization. That means that every member is mobilized into their call, into their gifting, into the uniqueness of what God has given them. And it could be you're an artist and you think to yourself, wow, I'm an artist. I'm not an evangelist, so I'm not good enough. No, that's not true. It's a different way that you will be able to reach people. Some people can literally paint something that will speak to somebody and can cause that person to get saved. You don't think so? That's true. I know people that, that paint and draw things. My, my um, granddaughter draws things, and when she gives them to me, there's something that gets released on it. It always speaks to me, and it brings life. So don't say because you're an artist that you're not, you know, you're, that's something that God wants to use for you to do, and that is important to be, use your gift for the kingdom of God. Let's say you're, you're a, um, 
You're, you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I hate that word. I hate the just a. What does just a mean? That is probably one of the biggest and greatest responsibilities on the face of the earth. And so you are a stay-at-home mom. That means that you understand how to run finances. That means that you're, I mean, you've got a whole bunch of degrees in order to do that. But what you're doing is valuable and important because you're raising up the next generation of forerunners. And you have to look at it like that. Like, I am raising up a generation of forerunners. They're going to be pioneers for Christ. They're going to be on the front lines. And that's, and you pour into them. And, and so that when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And then God can give you other things. It's like, I was sitting with somebody the other day and all of a sudden she's like, oh, I think God's speaking to me about doing this. And I'm like, go for it. Absolutely 100% do it. If you're a blogger, blog, 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 blog away. Why? And then let, let people read what it is that God is saying in and through your life. There's so many creative avenues. God said in the beginning, he created them after his own image. How did he create Adam and Eve? Out of creativity. He is creative. So he created you to be creative. My lands, look at this. Look at when you go outside and you look at nature and this is nature under a fallen. I mean, I can't even imagine. This is after sin. This is how beautiful it is. All the, all the colors on the leaves in the fall and in the springtime. I love to be out in nature and see the goodness of God because it is amazing to me how he created all of these things through the word that he spoke. And if we are created after his image and he says that we are his body, that means that when he speaks to me to do something, that he has the power and the ability to perform it and it's going to be performed in and through me and in and through you. Do you believe that? Come on. We can do this. Don't just have a dream. Put some feet to the dream. Take some risks. Be bold. Trust God. And there's so many people that need to know that Jesus Christ is alive. There's so many people that need to know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still active today. That if they're sick in their bodies, that we can pray for them and we can trust that God wants to heal them. And you can say, well, I've done that how many times? Then that means get back into your secret place until you get to that place where that power of God is flowing through you in such a way that you see the people get up out of wheelchairs and you see cancer get healed. It won't happen if you're not connected. It will not happen if you can't just say a word. You have to be connected to him. To the measure that you abide will be the measure that you see, the manifestation of the power of God in your life and in the lives of others. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet, please. God, you're amazing, and we love you, and we thank you for saving us. We thank you for the greatest gift that we will ever, ever receive for all of eternity, and that is our salvation. I thank you for the reality of who we are, and I say that today, we fall back in love with you, Jesus. I declare that we go back to our first works. We talk about you. We talk to you. And as that one song, says that we don't talk about you like you're not in the room. But we talk about you as though we know you're right there. 
we honor you. Help us to live selfless lives that we don't put ourselves first. May it start in our homes. May it go into the workplace, into our neighborhoods, the marketplace. But may it first start in our home. We would lay our lives down daily, God. You give us the grace to do it. And may we run with our metron, our canon, our sphere of influence, our measure of the gift that you have given us and use it to bring you glory and to expand your kingdom because it's not about the gospel only. It's about the kingdom of God being spread across this earth in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellg.